everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. My name is John and I am one of the pastors at Reality. Unfortunately, we lost some of the audio from this Sunday's sermon, so we're posting it now, uh, but you'll hear it cut out at about the 18-minute mark, um, and you'll, you'll notice it there. We're working hard to get it back for you, but until then, we've posted it as is. Thanks again for listening. Matthew 10. Uh, Matthew's the first book of the New Testament, uh, the last third of Scripture, goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So if you see any of those other names, you've gone a little too far. Uh, So the book of Matthew, chapter 10. We're going to actually be starting in in chapter 9 at verse 35. Uh, And before we do that, why don't I just pray for us in this time? Jesus, these words that Uh, We're just read even by Gareth that you teach us, you instruct us in the way to go. I ask that this morning for your glory, not for ours, for your namesake, not for ours, would, would all majesty be bestowed upon you. And Holy Spirit, I ask as we prayed this morning before the service, uh, that your light would just expose even just a little bit of our hearts this morning maybe parts of our hearts that we've held away from you, Um, maybe parts that actually hurt a lot, or maybe parts that we pride ourselves in. Would you teach us, instruct us, show us the way to go, and would you do that by your grace and lead us into all righteousness for your name's sake, Jesus? And all God's people said, amen. So uh, Matthew, oh yeah, there it is. Matthew 9. Uh, I'm going to read this twice. Uh, this is something in our community group and, and also at youth, something that we've been doing is we read more than once through a passage just because sometimes the first time it actually doesn't register. So what I want, what I want to do this morning is I'll, I'm going to read Matthew 9 starting in verse 35. And I'm going to read to chapter 10 verse 8. And I'm going to read that in the TNIV and the text will be up on the screen Then after that, I'm going to read it in uh, a paraphrase called The Message, which we read from last week. Um, And I just encourage you in these readings, the first time through, pay attention to what you hear. And if something stands out, just just kind of bookmark that. Uh, And then the second time reading through, it's going to give a bit more imagery uh, for us. And in that space, I just encourage you to almost ask the Lord, why are you, why why did this stand out to me? So... God's Word, starting Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 35. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When He, Jesus, saw the crowds, He had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed 
Jesus. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. I'll read this text once more. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowd, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the ripe fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. This is the list of the 12 he sent. Simon, they called him Peter or Rock. Andrew, his brother. James, Zebedee's son. John, his brother. Philip, Bartholomew. Thomas, Matthew, a taxman, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who later turned on him. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. This is God's word. As I, as I read this text, uh, I, I was thinking, realizing that our world is in need of a deep need for divine favor, divine blessing. I mean, we see that when we look at the news, and yet I also think it's easy to do that and because when we look at the news, we can distance ourselves. We keep it on the news feed. It's different when we actually meet people where we realize the blessing of God is actually being yearned for. Last week, I was at a coffee shop on Main Street. I was reading a book outside. I realized that it was time to start making supper, put the book away, started standing up, and someone outside was like, hey, what book are you reading? Hilarious, isn't it? A stranger asking a question to another stranger. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, so what book are you reading? And I was reading a book called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. The book is actually on the Sermon on the Mount. It's about how Jesus extends his kingdom to all people, even the unlikely, those who we would never think deserve Jesus. So this new friend, maybe I'll I'll call him, he asked me, why do, you, why do you think Jesus is the only way? He wasn't angsty. He actually wanted to know, why Jesus for you? And it was that moment when you realize, no matter how much you've read, the most basic question, why in the world do you follow this Jesus? I realized it wasn't just about my understanding. It was about what I believed about Jesus in body, soul, spirit, how it is embodied, and how in the world would I explain this to someone who I don't know? Why is Jesus following? Why is following Jesus the best way? A simple, but maybe a really poignant question that I know I can sometimes flee from because it's too simple and yet too complex. I think in that moment, I know I have felt before that I can put large groups of people into radical categories. This person's going to hate me if I say that Jesus is worth following. So I should just ease back. And that wasn't the case at all. 30 minutes. I was there till 5.30 outside. It was getting cold. He could have left at any point. He had finished his meal. He also was leaving. 30-minute discussion. Ended with the time I just asked, hey, can I pray for you? He said, yeah, totally. So outside of J.J. Bean, we're praying. There's people also at the table, and we left. I, we exchanged numbers, and we're going to talk further because he said, hey, I'm, I'm on this journey of, like, what role does the divine play in my life? The world desires divine blessing. I think we're tricking ourselves if we don't think that that's true. And this is what encouraged me as I started talking to this new friend of mine. From the outset of God's setting forth of all of creation, God is motivated to bless the whole world. Blessing is a divine favor. It's the extension of divine presence, not for our needs, but that we might be wrapped up in the will, the motivation, the loving rule and reign of God as it is in heaven here on earth. It's to be felt, lived, followed. The the blessing of God's presence, which motivated God from the beginning, is gifted to humanity in a unique way, different than others. God, in the first pages of Scripture, gives ownership to woman and to man to care for the land that's before him. Their image-bearing was to hold within them the loving rule and reign of God. Whatever work their hands touched, wherever their voices spoke, whomever their hearts cared for, They, human beings, were to extend this to the spheres of influence that they found themselves in. 
And now in this series through the the Gospel of Matthew, we've been talking about how Jesus doesn't just stay secluded in a silo. He keeps pointing back and saying, this is where I have fulfilled these long-time promises. Blessing the whole world through his own people is one of God's earliest. It's one of his earliest promises. We read in Genesis uh, chapter 12, a childless couple able to bear nothing but the image of God deep within them are told this. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those you bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. I was challenged after my meeting of this new friend that if I take this promise seriously, if we as God's people take this promise seriously, we find ourselves in a theater, resting our butts on the uncomfortable lip of a seat, waiting for the grand ceremony of blessing to begin through the most unlikely of people. After awkwardly waiting and unsure if we want to risk a bathroom break, we've all been there for theater, uh, for movies. After we're waiting, not sure if we want to leave. After 1,226 pages from Genesis 12 to Matthew 10, we've waited for not too much more than the lights dimming, signaling that blessing is about to begin. When will God use his people to be funnels of divine relief over an anxious, hesitant, confused, but eager world? An eager city, Vancouver or Burnaby or Richmond. Jesus enters from stage right in a way that reveals his ultimate ultimate power and yet his willingness to be vulnerable. This this paradigm that we've talked about here in weeks before. Jesus, in this ultimate power and authority and yet with ultimate vulnerability, enters the scene as a child. He then begins to teach with authority in a way that no one has ever seen or heard. Blessing extending to all people in all places, especially the places that we never thought God's divine blessing would touch or at least the places that we wouldn't want to bring it ourselves. We read this in Matthew 5 through 7 last week as a group. We, we dwelt on the fact that Jesus declares that he is the fulfillment of all things and people realize that this person was different. This authority was different. And so as Jesus enters the stage, and as I'm telling this in story form, which I I just invite you into, as Jesus enters the stage, I, I think that there's a temptation that we as watchers can fall into. And so with our full gaze on Jesus, our temptation is that we begin to forget or at least be utterly confused as to how any of us could act alongside this great character. Jesus, God made flesh. 
The great temptation after the greatest sermon is that we would remove ourselves from participating in the story of God's blessing to the world. How now does blessing come to the whole world through God's image bearers? Because isn't Jesus enough? He's God. He'll do the work. He's on the scene. What else do we need to wait for? As the story continues, we reassure ourselves saying that blessing has finally arrived. Our long waiting is over. Blessing is now experienced, we read in Matthew chapters 8 and 9, that blessing is being experienced in the small towns in the small land of Israel. Matthew records 10 formal healings in two chapters following this grand sermon of Jesus. People are relieved from sleepless nights with high fevers. Others are freed from oppressive forces from the kingdom of the devil of self-hate, deception, and greed. A little girl is raised from her casket to the surprise of the pallbearers. Skin conditions are wiped away just like an etch sketch. Storms causing barges to charge the shoreline are calmed. People that cannot speak nor see are granted to see colors and speak words into existence just like their creator who gave them breath in Genesis. And so we come to our text, Matthew 9, 35. And it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Pause with me and imagine. Imagine how much this would shake up God's people, Israel, to awe, but maybe to inadequacy kingdom that cannot be rivaled and yet the one that many people wish that they had whether they tell you or not take heart reality the kingdom is near blessing the whole world has come jesus on stage invites us to act alongside him to bear his image of compassion and power to people waiting and just like us they are let me pray for us Jesus, I thank you and praise you that your word is a gift, that we can be reminded of your presence, whether we feel you or not. And now I pray that as there might be no better way to respond to this, even as we think, what have I received? How can I give? I pray that you would put us at ease as we come to take your body and your blood as the first response. The implication is that we need you. So I ask that you would tenderly, compassionately, lead us in this moment to realize that it is you that we've received. We trust you. We praise you. In your beautiful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.